You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Thanks be to God. Uh, that was super encouraging. Uh, thanks, Emma, for not only reading the word, but uh, what an encouraging uh, story to hear and reflect on. Uh, very, very cool. Um, hey, let me add uh, to the welcomes that you've all received. Uh, welcome uh, to City on a Hill, Brisbane, our night service underground. My name is Dave Myers. I'm married to Rowena, uh, father to Sam, to Tom and to Beth. And it is my honor to serve as the lead pastor of this church. Uh, personally, over the last couple of weeks, I've enjoyed some time off and uh, our family made uh, a very late decision to not visit our extended families in New South Wales. Uh, now, while it was sad to be away from our family, it was still a good time, uh, a good time with our immediate family here in Brisbane. Lots of good food, uh, watching the NBA, watching the English Premier League, playing backgammon, watching movies, swimming in the pool, sleeping in. Uh, it was a good couple of weeks. But it is good to be back together for our first Sunday of the year. Uh, now, let's all be honest. Uh, I love it when someone walks in on a Zoom church, uh, just like we've had with Emma's dad. I think that's awesome. And that's par for the course when it comes to Zoom meetings. Uh, but we would all obviously rather be in the same room. Uh, but as Mike said at the, at the, at the front end, uh, we're thankful for this opportunity to be able to connect even in this way. Hey, I don't know about you, but um, I've found this last couple of weeks also kind of a bit of a confusing and a little bit disorienting. Um, you know, we've, we've, the last two years has been big for everyone on the planet. And here in Brisbane, we've been impacted by a global pandemic. Uh, but in many ways, we've weathered much of the COVID storm and life for the most part has been relatively normal. And so it's strange now uh, to just see it, um, COVID spread in our city. Uh, thankful that the current variant is um, uh, not as bad, but it's still causing all sorts of stress on healthcare system. Uh, and there's uh, a lot of uncertainty. I feel a sense of uncertainty. Uh, and you may well be in that same position. And so uh, please let us know if there's any way that we can serve you in this season. Um, we would love to do that. We would love to know how to care for you, how to pray for you. And God willing, we'll be back together next week. Uh, my guess is whatever the next month or so looks like, uh, if we are able to gather together, um, I, I think we'll be significantly smaller. There'll be plenty of people that will have COVID and plenty of people that will be isolating and so on. Uh, but keep an eye out on emails and social media. Uh, we obviously made a late call for um, cancelling our physical gatherings today. Uh, but whatever the next month or so, the next couple of months looks like, uh, we will be together and we will be able to encourage each other. Uh, and so let's keep reaching out uh, to those who are unwell. Uh, let's keep praying, uh, as Mike has already done, for healthcare workers and so on in our church, in our city, in our nation. Uh, praying for those who govern us. Man, what a complex time to be a leader. Uh, Mike has already prayed to that end. I'm going to pray again, though, and pray in particular for our time in God's Word. Uh, let's pray together. Uh, our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you again that um, while this may not be how we'd love to be gathered, we're thankful that we can gather like this. And we are thankful that right now um, we have the opportunity to sit under your voice, 
Uh, it is incredible that you are a God who speaks. We thank you for speaking so that we don't have to guess what you are like, uh, but we are able to hear your voice. And so right now, give us faith to receive the word that we've heard and that by the power and the illumination of your Holy Spirit, enable us to understand what it means and give us the will to put it into practice. And we pray this confidently and boldly through our risen, ruling and returning King, Jesus Christ, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. If you can find the prayer hands reaction, feel free to do that. Well, hey, as uh, as I begin, I want to introduce you to a phrase. The phrase is mission creep. Mission creep. Just give us a thumbs up or a wave if you have heard that phrase, mission creep, before. A few people have. Uh, now, those that have been on missions, uh, beach missions or schoolies missions, when we're talking about a mission creep, we're not talking about the creepy dude that comes on mission. Uh, that's, that's not what we're talking about with mission creep. But mission creep is a term that was originally coined uh, in a 1993 Washington Post article. And the article was reporting on the United Nations UN peacekeeping mission during the Somali civil war. The writer argued that a humanitarian aid mission had morphed into a military operation, and yet it did not have clearly spelled out goals, and the soldiers on the ground were not prepared. Wikipedia describes uh, mission creep as this. The expansion of a project or mission beyond its original goals, often after initial success. It's easy for mission creep to creep into the mission of the church. Uh, Christianity has been reasonably successful. 2,000 years after it was formed, some 2 billion people claim to belong to Christianity. But in every generation, there is the danger of mission creep, forgetting what our mission is in the world. You know, at City on a Hill Brisbane, we have much to be thankful for over the last six years. It's almost six years since our very first team gathering uh, in my lounge room upstairs. And in that six years, uh, as we built a team and began to grow, we have seen so many lives changed by God. He has been kind to us. And so if mission creep is the expansion of a project or mission beyond its original goals, often after initial success, well, we've had some success. We've seen some fruit through this church plant. And so as we move into the new year, uh, New Year's are always a good time to assess and a good time to consider um, who we are and what we are on about. Now is the perfect opportunity to not succumb to mission creep, to stay on message and remain on mission. Uh, I recently witnessed a brilliant example of someone staying on message. Uh, Mr. Beast, he's the fifth most popular YouTube channel. Who's heard of Mr. Beast? Anyone out there? Give us a reaction. We've seen a couple of re reactions. He's got almost 90 million YouTube subscribers. He's in his early 20, 20s. He's based in North Carolina in the United States. Uh, has these 
high energy uh, YouTube videos with lots of challenges. He give lot, gives away lots of money. He helps people in need. Uh, there's lots that's captivating about the videos that he makes. Now, uh, I, I, at the end of last year, I watched a, it was almost two hour uh, interview uh, with Mr. Beast. And uh, at the be- early on, I realized he was repeating the same phrase again and again and again. I stopped counting, but he mentioned at least 50 times in that 90-minute interview a phrase that said something like this, I just want to make the best possible YouTube videos. I just want to make the best possible YouTube videos videos. It almost didn't matter what question the interviewers asked him on this video, but he kept saying, I just want to make the best YouTube videos possible. This message was on repeat from his lips and this message drives him uh, in his goals, in his career, in his YouTube channel. He has a laser focus on what his mission is, what his message is, what he is trying to do. Our mission as a church is to know Jesus and to make Jesus known. Quick show of hands, who's heard that phrase before? Know Jesus and make Jesus known. Look, let me be totally honest. If you've gone to City on a Hill once, you've heard the phrase, know Jesus and make Jesus known. If you've been to church with us at the cinema, if you've been to church with us at the uh, our night service at the Seventh-day Adventist church or the old Presbyterian church, you will have seen signs, uh, banners with no Jesus, make Jesus known. You will have seen up on the screen, no Jesus and make Jesus known. We speak about this mission often. As a church, we want to be on message, on mission with Jesus. We want the message of Jesus to be on repeat. And look, I'm personally convinced that there's a relationship between those two things. Know Jesus and make Jesus known. The more we know Jesus, the more we'll want to make Jesus known. And so the big question I want us to consider for the next few minutes tonight is how do we remain on mission in 2022. Uh, Well, as Mike has already said, we are spending the month of January in the final paragraph of Matthew's gospel, a famous paragraph known as the Great Commission. And so the question, how do we remain on mission in 2022? Here's my simple answer. By believing the first sentence of the Great Commission. By believing Matthew... Chapter 28, verse 18. If you've got a Bible, keep it out, keep it open. Matthew 28, verse 18 says, And Jesus came and said to them, his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How do we remain on mission in 2022? By believing what Jesus says In Matthew 28, verse 18, when he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Believing that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth changes everything. You see, uh, before we get on to verse 19 and verse 20, where Jesus will tell his disciples what to do, we actually must understand 
verse 18. Have a look at it again with me. Look at verse 19. Verse 19 begins and says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, we're going to unpack that over the next three weeks after this, uh, and we're going to hear about what Jesus is calling his disciples to do. But notice at the start of verse 19, he's about to tell them what to do, but he says, go therefore and make disciples and so on. Go, therefore. Uh, One of the things I was taught as a teenager is when you see the word therefore in the Bible, you need to ask the question, uh, well, therefore, what's it there for? Uh, That is, the therefore is connecting us to something that has gone before. And so everything that Jesus says in verse 19 and 20, which is his great commission, is in response to, is therefore in response to the big announcement that he makes in verse 18 they the first followers of jesus need to know need to need to know who jesus is and what jesus has already done because knowing who jesus is and what jesus has already done uh, enables them to be on mission. It enables them to understand why Jesus is telling them what he's about to tell them in verse 19 and verse 20. And I think for us, knowing who Jesus is and what Jesus has already done will likewise enable us to remain on mission this year and indeed every year that the Lord gives to us. And so as we think about our mission statement of know Jesus and make Jesus known, uh, in, in many senses today is really a focusing on knowing Jesus. And the next couple of weeks is, I guess, making Jesus known. Because here's the thing, the more we gaze at him, the more we know him, the more we know his gospel, the more I trust we'll be ready to make it known this year in obedience to the rest of the great commission. Uh, And so I want to show you two things briefly, uh, I guess, about what I want you to know about Jesus. Two things. If you're taking notes, I'll, I'll give you both of the things now and then we'll look at them in turn. Number one is to know what Christ has accomplished. And number two is to know what Christ is currently doing. Got the two things. Sound like a plan? Give us a reaction if you're still tracking with us and are ready. For the first one, I saw a nod and a slight little thumbs up. Thank you, Caitlin. Uh, number, Number one is know what Christ has accomplished. Know what Christ has accomplished. The Great Commission, before he says to do anything, kicks off, as we've said, with a big announcement. Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus comes and says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Why? Why does Christ have all authority? Well, he is worthy of it because of what he has accomplished. You see, this is the the final paragraph of Matthew's 28 chapter biography of Jesus. Uh, And so Jesus has all authority because of what has taken place in the 27 and a half chapters before 
this. Now, interestingly, authority is, the, the authority of Jesus is in some sense is a major theme in this gospel. We see in the opening chapters of Matthew's gospel. I've, I've been struck by this again this year. Uh, I'm a, about seven, eight chapters into Matthew's gospel. And particularly early on, we see the way that Matthew goes to great lengths to show that Jesus comes with the authority and the one who fulfills the Old Testament. God makes promises in the Old Testament. In Jesus, we meet the one who fulfills those promises. And by the time we get to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, you can flick there with me if you want. Matthew 5, 6 and 7, some of Jesus' most famous teaching, where uh, audiences are captivated. But notice these words in Matthew 7, verse 28. It says, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority as one who had authority and not as their scribes. You see, early on in the ministry of Jesus, he has a gift for teaching, and yet his teaching comes with a gravitas. His teaching comes with an authority unknown amongst the scribes and the teachers of the law and the religious establishment uh, in the first century. People are astonished at the authority and the weight that Jesus brings as he teaches them about the kingdom of God. Uh, as you kind of keep looking through Matthew's gospel, uh, in Matthew chapter 8 and the following chapters, we'll see uh, an increasing number of miracles. And the miracles, I guess, demonstrate not only that he has authority in his words, but also in and through his works. You know, as you read those chapters, you'll see that Jesus has power and authority over nature, over sickness, over the demonic, and even over death. You know, by the time we get to chapter 9, verse 6, in the healing of the paralytic, not only does he heal the paralytic, but uh, chapter 9, verse uh, 6, it says, But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth, to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed and go home. You know, Jesus comes and claims to have God's authority, the authority to even forgive sins. As you keep reading through Matthew's gospel, this is a very quick journey through Matthew's gospel. Chapter 10, we, we see Jesus impart something of his authority temporarily to his apostles as they are sent out on their mission. In some senses, it's a trial run for what would await them by the end of Matthew's gospel after Jesus' death and resurrection. Now, we fast forward even further through by chapter 21. Uh, we won't read it, but from verse uh, 23, um, we'll see in chapter 21, this is after his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, that... Uh, uh, that no one can question that, that Jesus has power, that he has authority, that impressive things are happening in him and through him. But he is challenged by the religious authorities of his time about where his authority comes from. And yet, even in his very entry into Jerusalem at the beginning of Holy Week, though he has authority, 
The incredible thing we see in Jesus is that he lays it aside in humility. The authoritative king entered Jerusalem at the start of chapter 21 for his coronation, riding on an impressive stallion with a chariot of fire. No, he didn't. He rides into Jerusalem on a donkey in humility ahead of a week of remarkable humility. You see, Matthew has shown us throughout his gospel account the way that Jesus has demonstrated a perfect life lived. Jesus fulfills the Old Testament law. He lives the life that Israel and all people have failed to live and then spectacularly He lays everything down to go to the cross, submitting himself to a shamble of a trial, not retaliating when falsely beaten and accused. And then we see Jesus willingly giving himself over, not only to the religious authorities, but to the Roman authorities. He gives himself up to death upon a cross. The cross is the coronation of the king with a crown of thorns twisted upon his head. And yet this was his finest hour. This is the hour for which he came to earth. You see, at the cross, we have Jesus completing the mission ordained by his father, agreed upon by the son. This is incredible. This, 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 is, this is Jesus. Remember we read in the birth narratives in Matthew chapter 1 that this is Emmanuel. This is God with us who has the authority as the creator of the universe and yet the creator steps into his creation, lays aside something of his authority, all with the goal of rescuing sinners from death and judgment, sinners like us. You see, at the cross, Jesus takes the punishment for us in our place and for our sin. But we know that the tomb is not the end. That death could not hold him down. That three days later, Jesus rose from the dead triumphantly. And his resurrection is the guarantee that the victory has been achieved. That when Jesus said from the cross, it is finished, he wasn't lying. He's completed his mission. Sin has been paid for. And now his authority is emphasized by his empty tomb, by his resurrection from the dead. In Daniel chapter 7, we read promises, we read promises of a son of man who will come uh, and who will be given all authority by the Ancient of Days, by God. Let me read from Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. It says, I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him, the son of man was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. You see, Jesus is worthy of all authority. 
because of his obedience, because of his perfect life, because of his sacrificial death, because of his triumphant resurrection. And because of that, he is shown to be the son of man spoken about in Daniel chapter 7. He is shown to truly be the king of the Jews. Remember the sign above his head on the cross. He is shown to be the Messiah. The, the, the king of kings, the Christ of Christ, the son of David, the one who would come from David's family tree, who would rule forever. And he rules forever because death could not hold him down. His throne is an eternal, everlasting throne, dominion and power. And Jesus' resurrection, we read in Romans chapter one, shows that he is gloriously the son of God, the glorious risen one. You know, the next few weeks, we'll see how he imparts some of his authority to his followers, empowered as his representatives. But for the moment, as we reflect on the authority of Jesus, I want you to understand the significance of Jesus' resurrection. Uh, John Stott, one of my favorite authors, he said this about the Great Commission and the resurrection. He said, quote, It is important to observe that the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations stems from the resurrection. Only after Jesus had risen from the, uh, sorry, only after Jesus had risen could he claim universal authority, and only then could he exercise it in sending his disciples into the world. It was the resurrection that made the difference. You see, the Great Commission only makes sense because of the resurrection, because Jesus is the one who has all authority. And here's the crazy thing. I think Christians, sometimes the resurrection can be left out of our gospel outlines. We'll talk about Jesus died for your sins. Good. But central to the gospel is that, yes, Jesus died on the cross in our place for our sin, but that he rose from the dead. And our hope is a resurrection hope that he rose again, gives us a resurrection hope that our tombs will likewise be empty and that he is worthy of all authority as the glorious risen one. You know, knowing that Christ has a what Christ has accomplished is good news for all people. Every person on this Zoom church gathering, every person perhaps catching up on the podcast, every person on the planet. Look, if you're not yet a, a Christian, this is the best news you will hear in 2022. This is the best news you will ever hear. And look, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a follower of Jesus, we are so glad that you're tuning in with us. And we hope that you will continue to meet with us throughout the year, whatever that looks like. And yet one way that you could respond uh, to understanding what Christ has accomplished is worship. Have a look with me. Uh, Matthew 28, verse 16 and 17. It's actually the context uh, immediately before um, the, uh, the Great Commission. It says, verse 11, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. You see, seeing Jesus and all that he has done leads to worship. Now, what is worship? Wor worship is, is giving everything to him because he is worthy of our worship, because he is the king who died, who, who lived, who died, who rose again, and who now has all authority. If you're not a worshiper of Jesus, um, please keep joining in with these gatherings, and no one's going to force you to become a worshiper of Jesus. But look, if you've got questions uh, about Jesus, please reach out to us via the connect card, koa.co slash briz. Uh, we'd love to talk further with you. We'd love to answer any of your questions. Uh, but look, if you're already a worshipper of Jesus, no, that's the majority of us, perhaps. Keep worshipping Jesus.
Keep worshipping the one who has all authority. You know, as a church, we want to keep Christ at the center of all that we do. I love this quote uh, from Michael Horton. He says, We must hear this gospel, not just at first for our own conversion, but every moment of our lives. If the Great Commission is to be a joyful delight rather than an intolerable burden with an impossible goal. You know, we, we must hear this gospel. You know, the, go- the gospel is the good news about Jesus Christ. And the gospel is not just for our conversion, not just for becoming a Christian, but it is our daily bread. At City on a Hill, you will hear us speak about the gospel. We will speak about Christ. And we want to keep the gospel on repeat. We want to keep the gospel on repeat. We want to uh, preach it again and again. We want to be a people who never move on from the gospel, that we remind each other each day of the glorious risen one, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we aim to remain on mission, we first remain on mission by knowing what Christ has accomplished in his earthly ministry. It's a new year. It's 2022. Brothers and sisters, let's keep Christ at the center. Let's keep worshiping our risen Savior. Before we talk about what we are going to do for Jesus as we make him known, let's remember and let's rejoice in what he has already done for us in the gospel. Two things I wanted to show you tonight. The first is, number one, know what Christ has accomplished. And more briefly, the second thing is, know what Christ is currently doing. You know, after the Great Commission, Jesus ascends back to his Father's right hand. And then shortly afterwards, he sends his Holy Spirit. And yet Jesus continues his heavenly ministry. You know, Jesus is seated at his father's right hand. Now, the right hand is a position of authority. Jesus is in in charge. You know, the last two years, I think it's become pretty obvious that politicians, professors, and pastors have pretty limited authority and ability to control a situation. And yet Jesus is seated at his father's right hand, and he, verse 18, has all authority in heaven and on earth It's been given to him. What does that mean? This means he rules. He reigns. He's in charge. You know, have you ever heard conversion, so becoming a Christian, described as making Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Can I have some thumbs up or some emojis or just a wave of the hand? A whole bunch of people have heard that phrase before, that becoming a Christian is making Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Yeah, here's the thing. We don't make him anything. We don't make him Lord and Savior. He is Lord. He is our Savior. He is the one with all authority. And so becoming a Christian is not making Jesus anything, but recognizing that he is Lord and Savior. And I even loved the way that Emma described people who've recently on schoolies become Christian. She didn't use the language of making him Lord and Savior. She kind of used that language of recognizing that he is at the center and putting Christ at the center of their lives. You see, if it's true that Jesus has authority, this has implications for all people. If he has all authority, Jesus is not just for those born into a Christian family. Jesus is not just uh, for some people. Jesus is for all people. I love this quote from Abraham Kuyper. He said, 
There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Jesus has all authority. Jesus, therefore, has a claim upon all people. We're going to look at one final Bible passage before we conclude. Uh, if you've got a Bible, look this one up. We'll spend a, a couple of minutes here. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. You know, as we kind of get to the point of this second and, and more brief point of knowing what Christ is currently doing, uh, we catch a glimpse of what Christ is currently doing here in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. It says, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. No one has authority. No one has power or rule or dominion apart from the sovereign rule of Christ. Verse 17, And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Not only has he made all things and, and, and gives authority, he is the one that holds everything together as the sustainer. But look at this, verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Uh, G, G, we're actually going to finish the year in those five verses. We're going to spend about five weeks. There's so much in those five verses. Stick around till the end of the year and we'll, we'll spend some time in Colossians 1, 15 and following. But what I want you to notice there is that he is, he, he is, the, he is sovereign. <laughs> He is the one who has created us. He is the one who's in charge of us. He is the one who has redeemed the world to himself through his blood shed on the cross. But did you notice in there that it speaks about, verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church. What does that mean? It means lots of things. But one thing is it means he leads the mission. He's our mission leader. He's our mission coordinator, our mission director, our mission pastor. And that makes sense because mission is ultimately all about him. Mission is ultimately all about making his name and power and authority and death and resurrection and ascension and return, making him known. But he's in charge. He leads our mission. He rules our church. He reigns this year and every year that the Lord will give us and that is good news because as we as we get on over the next couple of weeks and speak about what he's called us to do it's always in response to what he has done to who he is and then the final week we'll see from verse 20 that wonderful promise uh, again we'll spend more time unpacking this that surely he'll be with his people to the end of the age jesus leads our mission he rules. He reigns. He is at work in us, in the church, by his spirit, through his people. He is the head. I love this quote from J.I. Packer. He talks about how Jesus, the church's Lord, has issued marching orders. 
individually and corporately. All God's people are now in, in the world on the king's business. I love that. We began speaking about mission creep. We began speaking about having a clarity on what our mission actually is. Well, before we talk about that in the weeks to come, we want to talk about who is sending us. We want to talk about how wonderful it is that we know him, how wonderful it is that he has all authority, that he continues to give us our marching orders, sending us out on his mission for his glory and for our good. We give ourselves to the king's business and I hope and trust that in the coming weeks you'll be inspired to consider what does 2022 look like for you to be on his mission. The final quote uh, for tonight is uh, from Kevin DeYoung. He, He says this, God does not send out his church to conquer. He sends us out in the name of the one who has already conquered. We only go because he reigns. And so as we go, as we get ready to go, we don't need to conquer anyone or anything. Jesus has already won. Jesus already has the victory. He currently rules. He currently reigns. And so brothers and sisters, as we embark on this new year, let us submit ourselves to his rule. Let us let him willingly, joyfully give ourselves to him leading us and him feeding us. That's why each week we spend time in his word. We hear what Jesus has to say to his church week by week. That's why each day many Christians make it their aim to spend time in his word. Make time this year, brothers, sisters, in God's word, seeking to know him better, to listen to his leading, to submit to his reign, to know his rule, and to give yourself to him who has conquered, to him who reigns. How do we remain on mission in 2022? Well, we know Jesus. We know what he has accomplished and we know what he is currently doing. Let me pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we can know him. And we thank you that he really is the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. That is good news uh, for all people. And Father, we want to ask that you would help us um, to continue to trust Jesus. We need your spirit's strength in that regard, that as we keep the message of Christ and all that he has accomplished for us in his perfect life, in his sacrificial death, in his triumphant resurrection, that, that we would keep believing this message, that we'd keep knowing and resting securely in his finished work in and through his earthly ministry. And Father, would you, would you, do, would you give us uh, a deep joy and desire uh, in the coming days and weeks as we continue to unpack the Great Commission to give ourselves to his mission? to give ourselves to his ongoing work as we make him known and give us great confidence knowing that he's in charge, that he's got this. May he lead us. May he feed us for our joy and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au dot com dot au